You're listening to Query with Abs, Axel, Bria, and Shaz. That's right. It's the gayest hour on Kuni Co-op Radio. Query is a talk show by the queers, for the queers, and everyone else. Uh, so tune in from 10 to 11 on Sundays uh, for laughter, learning, and love advice. And now we've got some announcements for you, brought to you by Axel. Announcements, announcements, announcements. Uh, so I'm sure that many of you will be very excited to hear that our radio show is going to be available on the internet. It actually already is available on the internet. So if you happen to miss a episode live, you can find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on some other places that I've never heard of. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, so go online, Google us. Anchor FM is another place you can find us. Uh, you can get links to these lovely podcast platforms on our Facebook page. And by the way, as of right now, we have 199 likes on Facebook. So if you're listening and do want to be the 200, then hurry over, query with ABS on Kootenai Co-op Radio. Search us on Facebook and be that 200. 200 likes. I feel like we're famous. (laughs) And We're this is only our third episode. I mean, Whoa. what is possible here? So I got another announcement. There's an all-ages drag show happening on November 2nd in Trail. It's hosted by Connie Smudge with special guests, Dancing Legs. Uh, it's, uh, it's at the Charles Bailey Center. Tickets are $10, and it starts at 7.30. Again, it's an all-ages show, and... <clears throat> And it's put on by the Trail and District Arts Council and the Freedom Youth Services. I hope to see you all there. Oh, man, all of this talk has made me a little bit hungry. I smuggled us in some a snack, some chestnuts. I know I'm breaking some rules by eating in the studio, but shh, don't tell anyone. Have you ever had prepackaged chestnuts before? Feed me. I never have. Whoa. I am really excited about this experience. And think about it, because I'm I'm kind of prepping you for uh, the burger week that's happening. I wish I hadn't looked at it before I ate it. Looks like a little piece of turd, doesn't it? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm uncomfortable. Okay, I'm closing my eyes. And a little slimy, too. How's my chest nuts? (laughs) Kind of chalky. Yeah, weird. Kind of meaty. Mm. Kind of sweet. Mm. So last week, as we're chewing... <laughs> it's so dry. <laughs> it was really dry. I didn't think this through. Kind of like a chickpea, but like sweet. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like a big chickpea. <laughs> like a giant chickpea. <laughs> mm, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, last week we were, we were talking about politics, and lo and behold, I noticed none of you voted. <laughs> Where's your sticker? <laughs> <laughs> Were they giving out stickers? No. no. I think they gave up on that. Elections Canada needs to know how much I want a sticker. And if you're listening, Elections Canada, get some stickers for next time. Yeah, it'll bring the millennials out, that's for sure. I'd also, It was also sad to... 
hear that it it rained in most of the in BC because that totally affected our uh, the poles as well. So it's been it's been shown that if it's raining or if the weather is terrible, there's usually a um, a predisposition for incumbents to be reelected in hmm. because the people who normally vote hmm. go vote, and it's the people who are swayed easily swayed get swayed by the weather. Weather. So I don't think it would have changed much, uh, but you never know. I think actually our riding had the one of the highest voter turnout percentages in the province. Really? Yeah, it was like the third from the top or something, around 72% of registered voters, which doesn't include people that that registered on Election Day. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's neat to hear. So who who did get elected? Which, which, which queers got elected across Canada? I want to know. Yeah, well, um, as of this day, we have four queers now in... In the parliament um, as MPs, and that is down from six in our last parliament. Um, they are Seamus O'Regan uh, of St. John's South Mount Pearl, mm-hmm. uh, who's a liberal. Conservative Eric Duncan of Stormont Dundas South Garraway. Liberal Rob Oliphant of Don Valley West. And the only BC queer, uh, Randall Garrison, who's an NDP candidate uh, from Esquimalt, Saanich, and Souk. Oh, neat. Mm-hmm. Souk's, a, Souk's a fun place. Have you ever been to the Souk potholes? I never have in, no, my whole life. Yeah, wow. I've been there. They're Was, nice. The potholes are pretty nice, hey? Yeah. Just saying Souk potholes makes me want to go. So there was lots of queers who ran in the election and did not win. These are the four that won. The parties that tend to have more queers are the Green Party and the NDP, um, but they didn't win as many seats. So uh, we have these folks who all identify as white, cis, gay men. Interesting. Interesting how uh, how w- even within the queer community there's this whole idea of... Um, like heteronormativity or or there's a there's a neat word um that came out a little while ago uh to describe the whole idea of how um uh a queer culture or gay culture can be co-opted into general culture um and then lost lose most of its identity and that that word is called homonationalism have you heard of that word before that is a big word homo spell it H O M O N A T A L I S M. This isn't a spelling bee, Shaz. Stop trying to impress Spell everyone it. with your spelling skills. Have you heard uh, about the word? Yes. Yeah, I have. Uh, I've heard it used to critique uh, how a lot of attention and energy goes into things like marriage equality uh, as an issue that the queer community focuses on when there's so many issues that face queer people and not all of them involve being recognized and officially approved of by state institutions such as marriage. And because I think because queer uh, uh, queer people, LGBTQ people are all over the world, the, uh, uh, one of the ideas of homonationalism is the homogeneity, homogeneity of of queer culture. Um, I, I someone once spoke about it as uh, as in reference to how um, 
for example, Israel uh, would hold pride celebrations, world pride celebrations, um, while the surrounding areas, uh, while the surrounding areas um, didn't. And they used that as kind of like one of those political platforms to say that, oh, look, we're accepting of queer people, while all of these other other countries that surround us aren't. So it's another interesting use of that word. Yeah, I've heard that called pinkwashing, or like, yeah, kind of using queerness or support for LGBTQ folks as this uh, flag of like, we're so progressive, like, please ignore every horrible thing we've ever done. Um, Pink, yay! (laughs) It's just super interesting. Another word, um, uh, I ran into a friend uh, earlier this week, and, and he was like, you would know what this word means. I saw it on someone's scruff profile. It was intersectionality, and they said I get bonus points if I knew what that word was. So, like the person who was like talking to your friend was like, "Do you know what intersectionality?" Is? No, the profile. The profile on on Scruff said at the very bottom, "If you know what intersectionality is, you get bonus points." So, do you? Do you know what intersectionality is? I was once asked to use it in a sentence, and I had a hard time, but uh, intersectionality is a feminist thing, theory, (laughs) that uh, was coined the word by a theorist named Kimberly Crenshaw um, in the 90s, I believe, maybe the late 80s. Uh, And she is a legal scholar and was looking at how black women face particular kinds of discrimination in the legal system in uh, the United States specifically. And she was looking at how uh, they don't just face discrimination as women or as black people, uh, but that there's a unique experience uh, wherein those identities overlap. And so she used intersectionality to describe how our many identities uh, lay over each other and impact our experience in the world in a way that, you know, we're not we're not single identity people who are just like one thing at a time or everything at once that we are. And those things show up in different ways as well from time to time and situation to situation in terms of how privilege works and like walking into different rooms and having different experiences depending on who is in that room. Mm-hmm. And and, it, and it's interesting because you can have like two people with the same similar um, oppressions. So two people who are people of color, for example, but one person is a person of color with a disability while the other person is a person of color identifies as trans they'll both their intersectionalities although they have some that are are same all most of it is different because they're faced with um different layers of those of those experiences so that was intersectionality and speaking of intersectionality i have a psa for you it's been going on for a little while we're coming close to the end of it From August 23rd to November 3rd, Touchstones presents The Unknown Remains, a a multiple disciplinary, let's say that one more time, multidisciplinary artist, UBC professor, and Chinese immigrant, Gu Huang, is exhibiting his work The Unknown Remains at Touchstone in Nelson, the Museum of Art and History from August 24th to November 3rd. The show features a variety of mediums, including photograph, 
historical newspaper articles, and sketches from his time in China and living in a labor camp. It also hosts a container ship made of 1,500 cardboard boxes and a wall of 1,500 portraits of immigrant workers. Um, I got a chance to go see the show, and also last week they had... uh, uh, at the Capitol, they had a talk about it, immigrants and traveling. It was super interesting. Um, first of all, it's it's great to hold space for 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 people to have that dialogue about race, race, gender, sexuality, all of those things, but also to see people kind of be uncomfortable, be called out for for. Um, for the for the environment around them, it was very very interesting. Did you know that we used to have? I believe it was a, a, a all Chinese basketball team, basketball team in Nelson. Yeah, either basketball or gymnast. No, I'm not sure which one. I can't remember. Oh well, we'll, have- we'll confirm next week. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting. Yeah, I think. I remember a couple of years ago that there was some conversations happening around race in Nelson and a lot of folks, um, white people in particular, being like, oh, that's not an issue here. Like, Nelson is super friendly to everyone. And I've actually been hearing a lot in the last couple of weeks about racism towards international students in particular um, and them just facing like a lot of discrimination uh, in the community and harassment and um yeah, it's not cool. No, no. Yeah, and also, like, it's important to identify that and start to identify that. Even though you can be welcoming, there, there's these subversive um, uh, microaggressions, in a sense, uh, around a race that that has started to show up because, well, what, over the past five years, they've started to now pull more and more uh, international students. Mm-hmm. So we're getting much more of a diverse... Um, diverse community here so those conversations are important to talk about and to like share in a safe space i feel i feel like a lot of people like no one really identifies as being a racist well no one that i know anyway but they often or i often will catch people saying racist things or doing racist racist things you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that uh, Nelson attitude of like, well, that doesn't happen here. Um, I would question whether if you're saying that or if you're someone who's ever thought or been shocked by hearing about racism or even denied that that happens here, that maybe just because you haven't personally witnessed or participated in that, that it might still be happening and that you are just sheltered from it as a white person. And that is part of white privilege is not having to actually realize that these things are happening and that people are being harassed and feel unsafe in our community. It goes, there's as someone once said a good example of with uh, Trudeau and his brown face and how for, forever and ever, People have dressed up in brown face. People have dressed up as as indigenous folk. And it's been fine. It's been okay, but only now. And the thing is, it's only now that that these communities of people feel comfortable enough and brave enough to address them. But those oppressions have been going on for a very long time, right? You look online on 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 those online, on those social, those dating dating sites and like even having simple questions like oh where are you from has that subtle racist connotations like 
I come from, I'm from Canada. That's where I'm from. Oh, no, but like your, your, your parents, oh, they're Canadian too. Oh, you're a heritage. Oh, yeah, okay. That's a little bit better. But what's the purpose are you asking for that? Are you asking for an open question or are you asking that to put someone in a category so you can better understand who they are as a, like one of those general terminology things? That's a good point. Yeah, do I don't know that I, as a white person, have ever been asked that kind of question in that way. Yeah, and see, and and that in itself states that it could it is a racist comment. Totally, it's like just it's just this implication that you don't belong here. <laughs> so, on this show, query with Abs, Axel, Bria, and Shaz, we're going to try and normalize as much cultures as we can. So the next song up we're going to listen to is Alex Cuba. His song is Sin Un Porco. Porque. Sin Un Porque. I had an opportunity to meet Alex a little while ago and he was so down to earth. We were walking and he was showing us some photos of him holding up a Grammy. Grammy's Canadian, right? Mm -hmm. Grammy. Uh, Juno, sorry. Holding up a Juno. And then... Uh, my friend looked at the picture and then was like, are those three Grammys behind you on the uh, mantle? And he's like, yeah, 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 but the Juno was way better. <laughs> so let's hear it for Alex Kiba. Oh, by the way, he's coming to Roslyn on November 9th. Get your tickets. Buscando uno de tus besos, supe porque... El amor es como el viento que no se ve Y vuela tan alto que llega A vagarte del cielo una estrella Y va de la paz a la guerra Sin un porqué So apparently, we have a ongoing weekly segment tinder talk i think it just evolved because we're all interested in bria's love life so bria are you back on tinder no what yeah um actually i learned something kind of interesting recently about tinder which i think everyone should know about because it's creepy um yeah so i guess kind of maybe you would have been expecting this but um Similar to Facebook and all of the other platforms out there that are stealing your data, um, Tinder is collecting all this information about you. Uh-oh. Yeah, I actually found out about this because I went to a show at the Victorian Albert Museum in London, England, last year. Ooh. And there was a French journalist there named Judith Duportail who did this art piece where she asked Tinder for all of the information that they had on her. And they sent her 800 pages of things like... Well, obviously, the the conversations that she'd had, the people that she'd liked, the the dates that she'd gone on in those conversations, um, but also things that she liked on Facebook, you know, her location, because Tinder uses your GPS to match you with people who the, live nearby. Tinder times. knows where you live. Tinder knows a lot about you. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting with all of those social, social platforms and... 
the gathering of the information. And, and then it goes back to, like, what would they do with that information? Obviously, they're not setting me up with the best dates that I could have. Oh, yeah. Um, Shaz, well, we never asked you about your love life. How's that going? <sighs> Finally. It's only taken three episodes. <laughs> um, my love life consists of, hey, what's up? That's about it. That's all I get on, on those social media platforms. But I think it's because the queer, the gay community in Nelson is not, yeah, we're in Nelson, right? The gay community <laughs> in Nelson is very small, and I've gotten to know most of them already. So, and, you know, I, and I think with the gay community here, it starts off with you get friends first and then find partners through that versus, like, going on random Tinder hookups like some people. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of, I would like to go on a date old school style. I'm going to use my power and influence through the radio to tell you all about <clears throat> a play that's coming into town. It's put on by the Arts Club in Vancouver, and it's their traveling show. It's coming November 16th at the Capitol Theater. Now, I'm going to go, and I'm going to have my date eyes on, so... Whoever wants to sit with me, you know where to go, Facebook or um, I think I think we have one of those social uh, one of those social media platforms. You can record a, a, a voice, right? That's right. Our new podcast platform, Anchor.fm. You can go on there, search for Query and find our page and then you can send us an audio message if you so desire. Yeah. Dates with Shaz and then. Uh, Axel and Bria will have to determine who gets to sit with me. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Please submit <laughs> to the council. <laughs> so let me tell you a little bit about this play. It's called Bed and Breakfast by Mark Crawford. The story goes, when Brett inherits a family estate, he and his partner, Drew, move to a quiet little tourist town to set up a B&B. Sounds like Nelson. But with these big city boys face, f uh, but will these big city boys face friction in their own, in their new community? With dozens of hilarious characters, all portrayed by the two actors, it's a heartfelt comedy about being out, skeletons in the closet, and finding a place to call home. So, if you're interested in checking out that show, come on down. If you're interested in checking out that show and going on a date with me, well, you know what you have to do. Old school, eh? Old school style. Hey, I have a question randomly. I uh, was just walking down the street today and someone uh, was chatting to me about a munch. What the hell is that? I, I, a munch? A munch. I think it's uh, like um, a, a lesbian date where they, a lesbian <laughs> sex date. <laughs> Yeah, it's a forward. Don't you know that? You should know that term. Yeah, geez, Shaz, you're educating us. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad hold, news. Hold on, let me Google that. No, actually, uh, a munch is a gathering of kinky people um, who are involved in various kinky sex pursuits, maybe, or non-sex pursuits as well, who meet up and have fun and chat. And it's a chill gathering. Uh, usually takes place in like a restaurant or a cafe or something. Um, and it's not a sex party. Um, it's just a hangout where you can meet new friends and get to know the kinky community. Well, what if you're like a vanilla cupcake like me and you're interested in that kind of a thing? Then Ooh. I would ask how much of a vanilla cupcake you actually are. Or if you're just curious and maybe not as 
vanilla sprinkles as you think? Yeah, so I was uh, reading an article. Um, uh, Bria, uh, Axel will tell you the name of the article in a moment. But they were talking about how um, how do you go about in exploring fantasies, um, especially fantasies around kink? What's the process? And and like, um, and and it was a really good article. The article is called "How to Have Kink: How to Have Kinky Feminist Sex" by Flo Perry. Uh, it. it she starts off with uh, uh, having fantasy, or they, it's a they. They start off, I'm not sure. Let's use they for... They is a good term. Uh, having fantasies is okay. It's okay to have fantasies. You can have fantasies about the mailman, about those all-women all NASA team that's going up into space. About you, uh, going to a munch, whatever that means to ooh, you. Ooh, yeah. I, the thing is, you don't have to act on those fantasies. Um, because sometimes some of those fantasies can fuck up your life. <laughs> having those fantasies in your head is okay. There's no guilt attached to that, having those fantasies in your head. It goes back to that whole idea of acting out. Mm. Not that uh, not that all fantasies are bad. No, not at all. And then you just, all you also have to know about, about not to kink shame. Are you familiar with kink shaming? Sort of don't talk Tell down on other it. people's kinks, right? This is like a don't yuck my yum thing. Oh, brilliant. I love that. <laughs> don't yuck my yum. It's okay if you don't like my yum. It just m- makes me feel bad if you talk about how you think it's gross and why do you need to do that? Mm-hmm. They also say um, to, to explore kink, um, find, find someone or some people you trust. See if you can get invited to a munch party. And a good rule of thumb, which I'd like to highlight out to you, don't try everything at once. Don't try to stick your biggest dildo into the spot that maybe needs a little bit of warming up to. Don't try all of those fetishes at once. Latex, leather, diapers, puppy play. Start slow. Yeah, try one thing at a time. Taste it out. Taste it out. And if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. At least you tried it once. Uh, and then there's another big word that's part of kink. And part of, I think, a- any sort of uh, uh, sexual engagement with someone. I'll let you guess what that word is. Caring. Yep. Close. Kindness. Close. Communication. Closer. Consent. Yes. Because consent is sexy. It's like pillow talk. Right? Or dirty talk. When you ask somebody, um, well, um, is it okay if I stick a finger in there? Are you okay with that? If you're okay with one finger, can I maybe try two? What if talking dirty makes me feel really uncomfortable and, like, unsexy and just, like, a turtle that wants to, like, come back into my shell? Yeah. that's And a lot of people do. You just have to remember to start start slow. Talk about some some easy things, first of all, Um, uh, because without expressing your needs, how are other people able to either fulfill them or um, even your boundaries as well? How are people able to know what your boundaries are? So back to this word consent. Is it like tea? I think it is. If you're still struggling with consent, just imagine instead of initiating sex, you're making them a cup of tea. You say, hey, would you like a cup of tea? And they go, 
Oh my God, I would love a cup of tea. Thank you. Then you know they want a cup of tea. If you say, hey, would you like a cup of tea? And they're like, uh, you know, I'm not really sure. Then you can make them a cup of tea or not. But be aware that they might not drink it. And if they don't drink it, then, and this is the important bit, don't make them drink it. Just because you made it doesn't mean you're entitled to watch them drink it. And if they say, no thank you, then don't make them tea. At all. Just don't make them tea. Don't make them drink tea. Don't get annoyed at them for not wanting tea. They just don't want tea, okay? They might say, yes please, that's kind of you. And then when the tea arrives, they actually don't want the tea at all. Sure, that's kind of annoying, as you've gone to all the effort of making the tea, but they remain under no obligation to drink the tea. They did want tea, now they don't. Some people change their mind in the time it takes to boil the kettle, brew the tea and add the milk. And it's okay for people to change their mind, and you are still not entitled to watch them drink it. And if they are unconscious, don't make them tea. Unconscious people don't want tea, and they can't answer the question, do you want tea, because they're unconscious. OK, maybe they were conscious when you asked them if they wanted tea, and they said yes, but in the time it took you to boil the kettle or brew the tea and add the milk, they are now unconscious. You should just put the tea down, make sure the unconscious person is safe, and this is the important part again, don't make them drink the tea. They said yes then, sure, but unconscious people don't want tea. If someone said yes to tea, started drinking it, and then passed out before they'd finished it, don't keep on pouring it down their throat. Take the tea away. Make sure they are safe, because unconscious people don't want tea. Trust me on this. If someone said yes to tea around your house last Saturday, that doesn't mean they want you to make them tea all the time. They don't want you to come around to their place unexpectedly and make them tea and force them to drink it, going, but you wanted tea last week, or to wake up to find you pouring tea down their throat, going, but you wanted tea last night. If you can understand how completely ludicrous it is to force people to have tea when they don't want tea, and you are able to understand when people don't want tea, then how hard is it to understand when it comes to sex? Whether it's tea or sex, consent is everything. And on that note, I'm going to make myself a cup of tea. That was a video called Tea and Consent by Blue Seat Studios. I originally came out as a British in this British version, and then it was so popular that they um, they redid it with an American uh, American voice uh, with added some added swear words here and there. Those Brits know a lot about tea. Yeah, uh, they do. They do. Uh, it was also super interesting um, uh, in this context how much emphasis they placed on giving someone tea when they're unconscious. That's um, and it and it and it really hit home. Uh, not hit home, but it really like made me kind of wonder how many people have been sexually assaulted in that situation that they had to like multiple times say, "Don't give somebody tea when they're unconscious." Um, so that was a little bit heavy, but you got to also think about all of the different places that consent happens. 
Totally. Today I spent my whole afternoon pretty much at Discover Circus, which is a nonprofit social enterprise circus school that you may not know or may know about um, that's here in Nelson. Um, I'm actually the president of the circus, not to brag, um, but kind of to brag. Um, Because we're a nonprofit, we have a board of directors and I'm the president of the board, which doesn't mean anything except that I chair the meetings. Anyway. That's that's me, president of the circus in Nelson. Um, anyway, so this afternoon I was at the circus gym, which is on Baker Street above the Royal, doing some acro. Uh, some folks call it acro yoga, and I prefer not to do that because yoga is a certain thing with a philosophical tradition, and this is balancing on people's feet, um, which shares some things um, with yoga for sure, um, but I prefer to call it acro or partner acro um so there's different things that you do but basically there's a there's generally a base and a flyer and people lift each other off the ground in various ways and i think there's a lot to learn about consent doing acro because it's a very body-based and consent-based practice where You're doing things with your body with another person. It's playful. It's fun. Uh, It's potentially dangerous if you're not communicating and don't have those practices of, yeah, being able to talk about what your bodies are doing together and and negotiate in advance. Okay, what are we going to do here and how are we going to put one person up in the air and how are we going to keep them safe? And and then as you're doing it, it's like a continual process of well, of like, okay, how are you feeling? Are you good? Are you balanced? Are you feeling wobbly? You can always say down, which is like the safe word of acro, of like, I need to have my feet on the ground again. And yeah, it's super cool. It, and it's beautiful because it sounds like consent is is always a conversation that's going on within that context, right? So, and and that can also be applied to um, sexual consent, like consent um, needs to be ongoing because, again, some people might want tea uh, when they get to your house, but after you make the tea, they may not want that tea. Totally. And you can totally, you can back out at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, we are having a special acro workshop next Sunday, Ooh. November 3rd from 11 to 1. And we're doing a special bring your friend for free uh, promotion. So if you are acro curious or want to learn about consent in this particular way, you can register for that class on discovercircus.ca and bring a friend and they don't have to pay at all or you can split it between you. Guess what time it is? Unskilled advice. Yeah, so I guess we're just going to pull up this question we had from um, one of our listeners. It says, I'm dating this new cutie from Tinder. And they just asked me to cut their hair. I am so scared to do this because what if I fudge it up? Yeah, what if you what if what if you fudge it up and then they dump you because you fudged up their hair and then they can't leave their house or have to wear hats all the time because you gave them a Sinead O'Connor's haircut? Or they don't dump you and then you have to go around town with someone with a weird haircut that you gave them. And when people ask, they're like, "Oh, my partner gave me this haircut." Hey, that like on that topic, um, is is like is this something that only queer people do? Do you, like do straight people give each other haircuts all the time? I don't know. We were talking about this um, before we 
started to record the segment and uh and yeah i i'm I'm stumped at that question because I don't know very many um uh straight friends that would like gather as a group and cut each other's hair. It does seem to be a very queer ritual almost a bonding practice um if there's any heterosexual people listening to this please send us a message on facebook and let us know if you cut your friend's hair or your date's hair mm-hmm. i have like sem- several memories of like sitting on a chair outside in the summertime and like getting haircuts um actually shaz cut my hair last week I, um, and if you're cutting someone, I'll just have to tell you this. If you're cutting someone's hair, there's a few rules that you must live by. Never cut it in your own house because you don't want to clean up. Always pretend that you know what you're doing. you got to be confident. Yeah, yeah. And um, don't let them look into a mirror until the very end. <laughs> when I was uh, when I was in school I, up in Prince George, I used to have a harem of harem of friends, all male friends, that I'd go and cut their hair, and we'd go for like a hike down by the river, and I'll pack my portable hairdresser stuff, and we'd have like like hair cutting man time. It was <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> I can't remember the first time that I cut someone's hair, uh, but I did for my birthday one year. Um, receive some like hair clippers um and and ra- my my hairstyling career really took off from then Whoa. uh it was yeah right ar- right around the time that undercuts were kind of <laughs> growing in oh, fashion no. um and oh gosh i guess my hair cutting advice to our listener is be careful of ears because oh, ears are delicate and they bleed a lot, and I know that from experience. Uh, a very sincere apology to my sister, Rachel, whose <laughs> ear I once fatefully cut. Uh, she still lets me cut her hair to this day, so obviously it wasn't that bad. Uh, but, yeah, be careful of those little ears. Poor little ears. Yeah, so for uh, for our listener there... Also, it's really not a big deal. The hair grows back, so just have some confidence and, you know, chop, chop. Exactly. You can always just end it with a buzz cut. If it if it really goes badly, just ask them if they ever want a buzz cut, and then there you go, solved. Have either of you ever had a buzz cut? I've only had, only. like, maybe, like, an inch of hair or something like that, never a buzz cut. I feel like I have a weird head. It's only one way to find out. <laughs> Next haircut. Next haircut. <laughs> I uh, I once uh, shaved my head and went as uh, went in drag as what's the um, ball guy in the Adams family? Don't know. No. Neither of you know. Oh, what's his name? Um, oh, the name's not coming to me. Um, but I went. Jeremy. To Jeremy. Gerard. No, close though. Oh, I'll have to wait till next week. But I, I totally shaved my head and went in drag as as. Uh, Adams, that's fa- one of the characters from the Adams family. Awesome. Yeah, that's my hair shaving experience. So again, back to if you have any questions or you need advice on anything, go to Facebook and write us a note. You can also do it anonymously too. You don't have to just tell the world your question. Yeah. If you have any queer stuff going on that you want us to talk about on our radio, you can also get in touch if you're having an event or other community-related thing. If you know who that person is from the Adams Family. And we'll soon be, yeah, exactly, and and in the next few months, uh, we'll soon be having 
guests on. So if you'd like to be a guest on our show, send us a message. We love you. Bye. Ciao for now.